In ministry, meetings are a necessary evil, but they don't have to be. You see, meetings could be one of the most important and the one of the most enjoyable things on your weekly calendar if you do them right. And that's what we're going to talk about in today's episode. Let's get started. So the big question is this. How do pastors like us who remain focused on the mission of Jesus and serving our communities without being distracted by everything in the world around us, how do we increase our effectiveness while living a lifestyle that doesn't compromise our health, our families, or our personal relationships with Jesus? That's the question this podcast is going to answer. I'm Dr. Brandon Party Cooper, and welcome to the Ministry Hackers Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Ministry Hackers Podcast. So excited that you're a part of it with us. It's Monday. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I hope your services went great yesterday, and I'm so glad you're here with us today. Now, as many of you know, we are just one week away from the launch of our very first challenge here at Ministry Hackers. We are doing, next Monday, we are starting off the Skyrocket Your Pastoral Staff's Productivity Challenge. And what we're going to do is we are going to help you as a lead pastor. We're going to help you uh, increase your team's productivity so that you can have more time with your family and still pastor a growing church. I know so, so many of us as lead pastors, we struggle balancing that tension and trying to choose between spending time with our families and investing our time and our efforts into our staff and into our congregation and making sure that we're doing what God has called us to do. And so uh, what we're going to do starting next Monday is we're going to walk you step by step on how you can actually do both by increasing your staff's productivity. And so uh, next Monday, we're going to go live at one o'clock central time every day throughout the, the whole week. And we're going to walk through step by step. And so all you need to do in order to be a part of the challenge is go to ministryhackers.com slash challenge, put your information there, your name, your email, and we will send you all the details that you are going to need. So next Monday, May 3rd, is when we launch. 1 p.m. Central Time is when we will go live. And I am so excited for everyone to be a part of that. It makes me happy whenever I get the ding in my email that somebody has signed up. And so I hope, I hope, I hope to see your email in my email box showing me that you've signed up to be a part of our very first Ministry Hackers Challenge. So go to ministryhackers.com slash challenge, sign up, and be with us as we kick off next Monday in the challenge. And so over this last week, we've had uh, Dr. Jason Baca with us, joining us here on the Ministry Hackers podcast. We had so much fun last week, and so uh, we are continuing to bring him back this week as we get ready for the challenge. And so let's go ahead and welcome Jason here into the podcast. Hey, hey. How you going, Jason? How's it going, man? Good, good. You have a great weekend? I did. Busy and full, as you know, yeah. with uh, small kids. We have, uh, for those who don't know, we have three children ages three and under. So it's a handful. Anytime we try to get out of the house to go do anything, much less church on Sunday right. morning. Um, so yeah, it was a full, full weekend. How about you? Yeah, same thing. It was a great weekend. We uh, got into the yard and did some yard work and kept busy. We had soccer games in the rain yesterday and yeah, like you said, church is always a great, challenging time for us as a young family. We, we, have, yeah. we have three boys as well, so it's, yeah, it's just constant. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. I'm excited yeah. to jump into today because, uh, man, if this is one of the, um, if there's ever just like those, uh, what, what is it, uh, what's a good analogy? They say like death by a thousand paper cuts, you know, yes. it's like these little tiny things that are really insignificant in and of themselves. But like you add it all up and it's just like excruciatingly painful. 
right? So yeah. the, the uh, topic of the day today being uh, avoiding death by meetings. Like you said, it's yeah. necessary in every regard, but uh, I'm actually really excited to jump into today's content because this is like has been like the bane of my existence on some days. <laughs> at, on some days in ministry, yeah. it's like, I, I could take any problem in the world, just not the problem of long, boring, fruitless meetings. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. and as most of our audience, as you know, you know, most of our audience as lead pastors, you know, when you're in Bible college, they don't really tell you or I guess prepare you for the number of meetings you're going to have to sit through in order to do effective <laughs> ministry. And so, you know, you're all excited about preaching and reaching people and going on the streets and everything else. And then when you get into full-time ministry, you realize, oh, every day I'm sitting in like 10 meetings and I'm just <laughs> taking notes and yeah. like nobody prepares you for that. And so, and and really honestly, like, you know, as you said, it, it, it is a necessary evil because it's really hard to have a, have an effective ministry and an effective church if you don't have meetings. Like, right. you know, and I'm, I would love to see a church actually do that. I'm not sure that that's even possible because you have to have meetings to keep everybody on the same page and keep them, you know, moving in the same direction. Uh, several years ago, I guess now, um, Patrick Lencioni, he came out with a book, um, Death by Meeting. And and in it, he kind of talked about that. He talked about how no organization can really be functional without having meetings. But so often we do meetings in such a bad way that they, they tend to be unproductive and nobody enjoys them. Everybody dreads them. Everybody, you know, I remember, you know, early on when I was in ministry and I would have meetings I, I would always bribe everybody with my Panera bread bagels. Right. I would bring in the, you know, <laughs> hey guys, meeting time. Yeah. here's the Panera bread. Everybody come and eat. And it always helped on the front end of the meeting, but you know, it's still, it's just, it's meeting after meeting after meeting. It just wears everybody out. So well, especially what I when to do, you, uh, when you're offering something so carby and you know, just like they eat the yeah. bagels with all the cream cheese and then it hits your bloodstream. It's like, Right. Yeah, this like, was before mm. we knew all that. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was before like everybody brought in veggie trays. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That had something to do with it. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So what we're going to do today is we're going to walk through uh, the five things you can do to, to implement into your meetings so that your meetings are not only more productive because that's really the main goal, but so that they're enjoyable. And so I thought we'd kick off one straight out of uh, Lencioni's book and that is to put the most dramatic elements of the meeting on the front end. And so what I mean by that is, or really what Lencioni is getting at is, you know, we all engage in story. You know, we read books or we watch movies or even, you know, for those of us who are into marketing at all, we understand that the value of story is what captures people and engages them. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately with meetings, we just have this long list of, of you know, these tick marks on the, uh, you know, the agenda And we just kind of go through line by line, whether it's, you know, maybe we go by order of the calendar or maybe we go by, we just go around the room and everybody does their thing. But really what we need to do is we need to take the biggest problems, the biggest challenges, whatever you as a team need to tackle the most, put that at the front end. And what that does is it increases engagement. It gets everybody involved and it draws them in because immediately from the beginning of the the meeting, they understand this is important. This isn't just something on my calendar. Right. It's not just what we do on Tuesday mornings. It's important. And, and since it's important, then I need to engage to help figure out whatever the problem is or brainstorm the event or whatever it is so that we can be more effective in ministry. And so put those most dramatic elements up front to increase engagement of your staff. You even see that on TV a lot, 
Like a TV show will start and it's immediate like bum, 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 you know, they're like a, in a car chase and people are shooting guns and you just like, whoa, it, they do that on purpose so that you won't change the channel, right? It's, right. it's a form of marketing. It's so that your show comes to an end and they don't go to commercial break. They just jump straight into the show. Sometimes I've seen some TV shows, they'll even start rolling the credits of the show you were just watching and they'll just start yeah. playing the next show. While the yep. credits are rolling, because with that bump, 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 just to get you like focused in, and so yeah, you got to start off with something that's like the most interesting thing. So it doesn't have to be right. like actual drama, you know, that's happening right. in the no. church. <laughs> you yeah. don't have to start off yeah. with actual drama, but something that's interesting that, like, you use the word perfect word, engaging. Something that's mm-hmm. interesting and engaging that immediately grabs people's attention, so to speak. Right. Especially if it's like. You know, we all have those meetings where there's like the elephant in the room, like maybe something happened on Sunday and now we need to talk about it. Like just right. lead off. Don't push that to the back end. Like just lead off with that. It keeps people engaged. And uh, right. and on a very practical level, if for whatever reason people meander or, you know, things go get derailed or whatever and you don't get anything else done besides that one thing, then you can right. still walk away feeling like we got some work done because we got done the most important thing, even though right. it was only one thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So then the second one is strive to be focused rather than brief. Now, Hmm. again, because we have so many meetings on our schedule, one of the things, one of the traps that we fall into is we try to make them brief. We try to make the meetings brief. We try to have less meetings because we're so, especially in our Western culture, we're so time conscious that our focus is more on how do we make this shorter? But the problem is, is the natural byproduct of that is we are actually more, we are, we are less productive and we actually create the need for other backend work. So hmm. we focus so much on being brief that we create the need for more emails, more follow-up conversations, right. more meetings, more meetings to cover what we didn't cover in the, in, you know, and so just create our, our focus on brevity actually creates more need for meetings. Yeah. Whereas if we change our focus from being brief and we turn it more towards being focused. And what I mean by being focused is you're cutting out some of the extra unneeded things in the meeting. When we do that, then we become we make our meetings more efficient and we cut out all of the extra emails and, and follow-ups and all that. We cut all that out and our meetings are a lot more focused and a lot more impactful. So then over time, we actually cut out more meetings. So we win in the, in the time arena is by being focused on the front end. And so, yeah. And then there's, you know, which even begs the question, do we even need to be having this meeting? Right. Yeah. Like how much mm-hmm. fat do you need to cut out of the meeting before you realize there's really right. no lean meat here? Like, you, you know, we, we're all been a uh, victim of the proverbial, you could have just sent that in an email, right? Like yeah. you call exactly. this whole meeting, everybody stops what they're doing. They, they step away from their jobs to have this meeting. And it's like, ultimately what was accomplished was just an announcement about something. It's like, well, you could have put yeah. that in an email. And of course, there's all yeah. these tools now, like with Slack or CRMs. Yeah. Uh, Voxer is another one. I know uh, I know one guy, he uses Voxer, he and his team. It's uh, For those of you who don't know, Voxer is just like a voice note kind of uh, mm-hmm. messenger app. But you can speed it up to like two or three or four times speed. So like literally by using the voice notes, it forces people to get straight to the point and then, you know, you don't have to repeat anything because they just need to go back up and listen. And, you yeah. know, you can speed up the the talking two, three times as, as fast as you can listen and really, really trims out all the fat. So there are going to be times where you need to meet face to face, especially in church and doing ministry 
especially if you're talking about something serious uh, or if, right. the, if the purpose of the meeting is more relational building, which we're going to get into really quickly. But yeah, I think in general, the, the biggest question that you can ask, at, like for those who are conducting meetings is like you said, number one, um, like what fat can be trimmed from this that doesn't need to like be a focus, doesn't need to take up our time and energy. And then also right. just kind of bigger picture do we even need to be having this meeting or could we just kind of update our technology to right. use other systems and tools that would just eliminate the need for these meetings and, you know, as you said, make meetings fewer and fewer and fewer? Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm really just having a purpose and sticking to that purpose all the way through. So if anything comes up that's not lined in with that purpose, either push it off or deal with an email or put it on your box or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Way better of approach. So. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us number three, as you kind of alluded to, the number three thing, or the third thing you can add to your meetings to make them more productive is have social time on the front end of the meeting or on the back end of the meeting, or actually you can do both. And so, you know, especially with the church staff and, and for, you know, our community ministry hackers and lead pastors, you know that if you have a good, vibrant staff who have good connections with each other, like part of the problem is, is reining them in during your meeting and making sure we stay focused on task. So one of the things that you can do is build social time in on the front or the back end, or really honestly just have both. Um, because when you do that, then they're able to get all their social energy out <laughs> right. you know, on the front end. And so they're able to focus in the meeting or they know on the back end, there's going to have, they're going to have that opportunity. And so one of the things I like to do, um, you know, when I do staff meetings, especially is I like to, you know, put, kind of that front end prayer time, you know, and then like mm -hmm. a, like a three or five minute break where everybody goes to the restroom, grabs some snacks or whatever they need to do. And then we go into the meeting so that that kind of gets some of that social time out. But then we also have lunch on the back end of staff. Mm -hmm. So they know after staff is over going to lunch. So all this social meandering during the meeting is not necessary because we'll have time on the back end to do that. Yeah. And so that helps the meeting stay a lot more focused and, you know, be a lot more productive in the hour, hour and a half or whatever it is you're meeting. That's true, especially if there's food involved. People will always exactly. like, <laughs> they'll, they'll temper their sociabilities, you know, as a social yep. person. I know that it's like, if I know food is coming, food is like the magic word for church folk. You know, it's like, <laughs> is there going to be food? Like, if there's going to be food, there's going to be church folk. So, yeah, I think having food uh, at some point in the meeting, like you said, it's brilliant. Having social time on the front end or the back end. And then just really like sticking to your guns in the moment when it's like meeting time, like not letting people hijack the meeting, you know, not letting like, you know, side conversations start breaking off. Like I can't right. tell you how many meetings I've been a part of where the person at the front was talking, even, you know, whoever it was and so-and-so cracks a joke and then so-and-so, it reminds so-and-so of something that they forgot to tell so-and-so. And so like right. all of a sudden, you know, within seconds, you just lose everybody yeah. and they're all having side conversations and cracking jokes and all this stuff. And if the person at the front doesn't like whoosh, crack the whip and like <laughs> bring everybody back, then it right. just, it just meanders and meanders and meanders. And then those of us who like have stuff to do are looking at mm -hmm. our, it's like, what are we here for? You know, like, yeah. So I think building in the social time so they know it's coming and so that they can stay focused, but then also having somebody at the front to crack the whip if it, right. <laughs> if it starts going off the rails a little bit. Yeah. Well, and that's a perfect segue into number four. And number four is manage the discussion and conflict. What I've seen a lot of times, especially for lead pastors, we have a tendency that when we get into the meeting, we tend to manage, sorry, we tend to dominate the room. 
And so when the topic comes up, you know, and the conversation starts, you know, we tend to interject, 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 and nobody else in the room really is able to share or, or give their input or whatever. And then what, what that does is it causes all of, like you're talking about, all of these side conversations or all these random comments, or they're forcing their way into the conversation and everything starts to get derailed. And honestly, the tension starts to rise. Whereas as lead pastors, remember that you're the decision maker. If you're the lead pastor, you are the one to make the decision. And the purpose of the meeting is not to inform everybody what you're going to do. It's more to gather input so you make a better decision. And so, and in that process, like you said, sometimes the discussion can get way off in left field, or you can have some sideways energy that has nothing to do with what the topic is about. Or you start to have some of your pastoral staff members will start to create conflict among each other. You know, the youth pastor and the worship pastor arguing about something because, you know, they both have different ideas of how it should be handled. If you as the lead pastor just sit back and let that happen, we're losing control of the meeting immediately. Instead of controlling the meeting by having your voice be the constant voice, instead allow discussion to happen. When it gets off in left field, rein it back in. And when conflict starts to rise, allow it to arise at a, at a, a healthy level where the conflict can you know, resolve itself, but making sure that it doesn't get way off in left field, making sure that we're not getting into other issues just manage that discussion and that conflict and making sure that you're staying right on the path towards arriving at a decision. And for you as the lead pastor, whenever you come to a point where you feel like I've heard all that I need to, to make a decision, then cut it off because any input after that is not really going to help because you've already arrived at the decision you need to make, cut it off, make the decision, and then move forward to the next item. That keeps the meeting rolling and keeps some of the discussion. It allows for discussion, but doesn't let it get way off in left field. Yeah. And it, I mean, that does two things. This this point number four here does two things. Number one is it it avoids uh, having one of those meetings that's like, why didn't you just say this in the email? You know, if people right. walk in right. and they see that your mind's already made up and you're just informing right. us about whatever, it's like, well, why are we here? You know, like you're not really interested in hearing what everybody else has to say about this, which is fine. Like like you said, the lead right. pastor makes a decision. So that's not always bad. It's not always like authoritarian. But, right. you know, it's it does create that feeling of just like, why, you know, why did we stop what we're doing to come in here? And then mm-hmm. secondly, I would say from a leadership point of view, asking more questions than you do making statements will implicitly build a lot more buy-in. So even if as a lead pastor, even if you already know kind of what you want to do, by by holding that back at first and and letting the discussion flow and asking a lot of questions and getting a lot of input, allowing yourself maybe even your mind to be changed on something, you know, like, but let's just say you go into the meeting, you have a pretty clear idea on what it is you want. By getting that, that input, by you're getting information you otherwise would not have gotten, and right. you're allowing people to to share their voices and share their hearts and give their opinions so that when a decision is made, it feels a lot more like a consensus than it does like, oh, pastor just wanted us to come in here to tell us what he's doing next or tell right. us what we're doing next, right? So, <laughs> so yeah, I think it, it, it avoids the whole like this could have been an email type of situation. And by the end of it, people feel a lot more like bought in, like they really contributed uh, and, and hopefully not in a in a fake or phony kind of way. Hopefully you did right. actually want to know and, and actually want their input. Right. But yeah, it's just, by the time you make it to lunch at the back end of that meeting, everyone feels so good and bought in right. and like, we're all doing this together rather than right. the, I'm going to get up there and talk, 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 talk. And then right. it's lunchtime. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like you said, it just bring it, it just builds come right. Even going back to what we were talking about yesterday or last week about creating a family atmosphere and mm-hmm. you know empowering your team, like that's all a part of that. So yep. so that then brings us to number five. And number five is make the meetings valuable. Now, every meeting has business, business that's built in. It, that's the whole purpose of the meeting. And if we don't have business, then why are we meeting? But there's also other elements that you can build into the meeting to make it more valuable and more fun. Um, because not all the business that you have to deal with is necessarily fun or enjoyable to walk through. It just needs to be done. Decisions need to be made. Problems need to be solved. So what you do is, is you build fun or valuable elements. So especially for you lead pastors who you have a younger staff, remember that you've hired a young staff on your team because they bring a lot of energy and they bring value to the team, but they also are still growing and learning. And honestly, most of them are looking to you as the lead pastor to mentor them, to, to, to nurture them up and to show them the ropes. And so, especially on your staff meetings, really build in a time for them where it's investing into them, investing into their growth, sharing your insights from years of ministry, sharing something you've learned from a book you've read, just sharing with them something that helps them be better. I know for me, when I was young, you know, when I was on staff, um, at a larger church, uh, pastor Jim Bradford was my, was the lead pastor. And every Tuesday he would, before staff meeting, he would draw all the staff together and he would just teach for 10 or 15 minutes. And as a young pastor, it was so valuable for me because he had right. so many years of experience and he just invested so much into those 10 or 15 minutes. And I learned a ton on how to be a pastor and how to be in ministry and how to take care of my family in ministry and those types of things just by listening to those 15 minute windows every week. And so add those types of things in because it's so helpful. And I think you'd be surprised, you know, as a lead pastor, even how much other people really want that, you know, because you may be tempted to believe, well, that's just taking up even more time. And, you know, they already hear me preach like five times a week, you know, because they got to be at all the services. And, you know, like you you may feel like, man, that's just, you know, giving up another or taking up another 10 or 15 minutes. But I remember being on staff at a church once. It was a a sizable church, uh, well, sizable three, 4,000 people, something like that. And so uh, we would have weekly staff meetings. There was obviously a a large pastoral staff or larger. And I remember one of the pastors saying about this, the weekly staff meetings, they said, uh, you know, the, the information's great. And yeah, I get that we have to meet, but what I really enjoy most, the reason why I love going to these staff meetings is for all the little golden nuggets that get dropped from pastor Mm -hmm. As we're talking about ministry, as we're talking about people and the church and and how to pastor, right? So this yep. person was an associate pastor on the pastoral staff. And so, yeah, it, it just hit me. This was years ago, but it just hit me as like, huh, I never really like never thought that much about it. Like, you know, we all walk out of there feeling very enriched and feeling like, right. yeah, like like that we got a lot of great information. But yeah, this person was saying like, that's. That's the main reason I go, you know? <laughs> I mean, it was a mandatory meeting, but you get the idea. Like, you know, yeah. they just really loved those little golden nuggets. So to all the pastors out there who are conducting these meetings, if you are the lead pastor, you know, take time to just, you, you feel like it's going to be a tangent. Well, I don't know if that has anything to do with this. You know, keep it yeah. brief, but, you know, drop that golden golden nugget. Like, just say, yep. you know, while we're at it, keep in mind that in ministry sometimes, you're going to have to blah, 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 blah. And those little gold nuggets, I think, are what really people can take away from a meeting and say, wow, that was really valuable. Right. Exactly. 
The other thing you can add into a meeting to add value and to make it fun is to create a brainstorming session in the middle of it. And so Mm. now I know for some people, brainstorming sessions can be like these endless open-ended sessions. But if you take a 10-minute window in your meeting, you say, hey, we're going to brainstorm this thing. And you just allow your staff to just run with ideas and thoughts and, and whatever. Not only do you find all kinds of cool, innovative ways to do what you're doing, but you infuse energy into the meeting and into your pastoral staff because they're stepping into a creative space rather than a get things done space. And so when they do that and they get all energized from being creative, then it just creates energy. It's more fun. And they actually look forward. I know when I went through a series of just doing uh, brainstorming sessions every two or three weeks in the staff meeting, everybody would look forward to that week of the month because they knew we're going to brainstorm something. And they had no idea we were going to brainstorm. And we didn't necessarily even always use the ideas um, because, you know, maybe time didn't allow it to or whatever. But we always we had this pool of great ideas for ministry that we could always go back to and dip into because we took a time every few weeks and just brainstormed. And so that just infuses fun, infuses, you know, great ideas. And your staff just loves it because it's valuable. It adds value to the meeting beyond getting orders or checking things off the list. And once again, builds that buy-in. You know, this has been proven time and time again through tons and tons of research, you know, none of which I have for you now, of course, but <laughs> just take my word for it. I've studied this stuff. Doctor, just trust yeah, me. exactly. I have a doctor degree, so everything I say must be true. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's it when people are allowed and have the freedom to contribute and really do feel like personal ownership over the ultimate outcome because they influenced in some way, they are way more bought in. So, if yeah. no, for nothing else, just let people brainstorm so they you know can brainstorm. So to go over this list one more time, for those of you who've been tracking with us, counting down or going from the top. So just don't forget, number one, put the most dramatic events on the front end. Number two, strive to be focused rather than just to be brief. Number three, have social time on the front or back end or both, especially if there's food involved. (laughs) Uh, Manage the discussion and conflict uh, as the lead pastor. That's number four. And finally, number five, make the meeting valuable by doing all of the things that we literally just discussed. So, uh, (laughs) Brandon, any final thoughts before we uh, wrap up today? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, meetings are a necessity. So you have to have them. Um, Again, you can't run a successful ministry, an effective ministry, a powerful ministry without having some meetings. And your pastoral staff, it's it's maybe for some of you, it's the only time in the week that your whole pastoral staff is together in the same room. So don't, don't behoove that moment, invest into it, make it worthy, make it valuable, make it fun, make it efficient and productive and build something in on the back or the front end for social time, but make it something that it's there anyway. So really make it work for you instead of being this, you know, this monkey on your back, you have to deal with every week and nobody looks forward to, because again, as the lead pastor, it's on you. You can make it as fun and as enriching and valuable as you want to make it or it can be the dread of the entire staff. And, and unfortunately it may be the only time they're in the same room as you and they just don't like being in the room with you because it's another boring meeting. And so, you know, it's on you, but really make the most out of your meetings because you have to have them. Yeah. And ultimately by doing all of these things, you know, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about essentially how to build a highly productive pastoral staff. 
by getting the buy-in and allowing them to influence decisions and cutting meetings short and making things more productive ultimately leads to what you want as a lead pastor, which is to pastor a growing, thriving, healthy church that have a healthy pastoral staff that are highly productive and a church that allows you to be at home with your family when you need to be and when you want to be. And so I think that segues perfectly into the challenge. Can we remind our people one more time of the, the challenge we have coming up next Monday? Yeah, one week away. How to skyrocket, how to skyrocket your pastoral staff's productivity challenge. We start on Monday at one o'clock central time. Um, we're going to go live and just walk through five days of teaching you how, particularly how to use the strengths finder assessment to increase the productivity of your pastoral staff. And as Jason said, the whole goal of this is to allow you to not only have a growing church, which all of us who are in ministry want to have, have a growing church, but then also have time with our families. It's attention that we all feel it's attention we have to deal with. And what we want to do, what Jason and I want to do next week is help you loosen that tension, make it a little bit easier to manage and not have to choose one or the other, but to allow you to have both. And so for five days, we're going to walk through that. Go to ministryhackers.com slash challenge, sign up, put your name, put your email, send it to us. We'll send you all the information you need. And we're going to have so much fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to next week. I'm looking forward to diving in going live for five days. It's free. Why not? Just be a part of a great community, Ministry Hackers, uh, with a whole bunch of other pastors who are really struggling with the same things you're doing. That's right. And I mean, ultimately, the question is, if more of the life that you want in ministry and with your family is just on the other side of, of transforming your pastoral staff into a highly productive pastoral staff, why not take just five days to work toward that for free in our free challenge. It's our free gift to you. We just really want to serve you guys, really want to help you guys. And we, both Brandon and I, really do believe that this is the key. Like, this is the way out of the mess of of being bogged down, of having your time split, of having to be away from your family, of pastoring a church that's not growing, it's not thriving, it's not succeeding like you want it to succeed you know, in God's measure of success, of course. But like the way out from underneath all of that is by developing a highly productive pastoral staff. And so, yeah, that's what we're doing for you starting next Monday. Just go to ministryhackers.com slash challenge. I'm super pumped. I can't wait to get started. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys there. Any final, yeah, final, final last words? Yeah, so tomorrow we're going to talk about how to shut some stuff down. Mm. Um, all of us in ministry, Come on, we somebody. have to be okay with shutting some things down, whether it's a ministry or whether it's a department or whatever it may be. We have to be not only be able to assess whether or not it needs to be shut down, we also need to know how to shut it down in a way that we don't split the church. And so that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow, how to shut things down. So I'm excited about that. It's a challenging one, um, but I think it's going to be super valuable to everybody that tunes in. So tomorrow we're going to go live at one o'clock central time. So join us in the next episode. Have a great, wonderful day. All right. See you guys.